Thank you so much, sure. Steve, for being here today. Yes, I'm Diana, and we're going to be talking today a little bit about your amazing gallery art disease called Family Secrets, the storytelling art of Steve Head. Thank you so much, Steve. Please let us know what is your story about and how all of this amazing art got started. Well, let me tell you, when I was a little boy, I grew up in a family that was from Oklahoma, and they were poor, poor farm people. They migrated to California uh, during the Great Depression, and they went out there in 1939 to find work. Everybody was really suffering in those days, and uh, uh, they had five children, uh, my oldest brothers and sisters were quite a bit older than me. My oldest sister was 15 years older than me. And then I had a brother that was 11 years older. And then I have another sister that's seven years older. So then there was myself and my little brother. He was three years younger than me. So the older siblings were almost like almost another generation. They were moving out of the house when I was growing up. But we grew up very poor. And my family came from um, the the my genealogy, my my grandmother, my great grandfathers, and we had a ha a long history of um, dysfunction. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma. I was abused. There's one piece of art right here uh, called "Visiting Uncle Oscar," and I did a piece about when I was about ten years old. I was sexually abused by an old man, and I uh, I carried that in my in my heart for many years. Uh, what happened um, when I was growing up? We also we were physically abused um, and emotionally abused. I mean, we grew up very wounded. I call it woundedness, and so that um, the the term that probably is best is childhood trauma. There's many, many, many people that grow up having childhood trauma in their life. Now, childhood trauma can come from all kinds of things, from being uh, in an abusive family. It could just be maybe you grew up and your parents had a very nasty divorce and there was a lot of fighting, or maybe there was alcoholism or drug abuse, or your parents went to jail, or uh, mental illness, or it could be anything. And that affects children, and, and it, it, it causes wounds on their soul. And sometimes if those wounds are never treated, you grow up in adolescence and as a young adult struggling to um, maybe self-medicate that hurt that's in your heart. So maybe um, people turn to drinking like I did. I turned to alcohol or drugs or overeating or gambling or sex. People have addictions, uh, and I think I would say 99% of people that have addictions and, and issues with substance abuse and things like that probably have childhood trauma as the root of that. And so I suffered in my younger years when I, I started drinking when I was about 15 years old. I ran away from home several times. I, I um, uh, lived with other families for a period of time. I, I joined the Army at 17 to get away from my family. I went to Vietnam. I came home. I, I struggled with alcohol. And I had a lot of issues with relationships and things like that. Now, I'm going to jump ahead, and I'm 69 years old, and 35 years ago, uh, about 35 years ago, I met my wife, and we were both from the same kind of backgrounds, um, and, and we, we started um, uh, getting help with our – we both had drinking problems and things like that. So we, we met in a 12-step group, actually. and um, Later on in, in time, I was able to find uh, a group that was uh, – it was a workshop for adult survivors of abuse. And they had me go to Michigan to actually train to lead these workshops. And I was in my 50s. And all of a sudden, 
I realized that all of that hurt and pain, uh, low self-esteem, self-contempt, all of those things that were in my heart were all a result of what happened in my childhood. And once I connected the dots and thought, oh, my word, that, that explains everything. That's why I drank alcohol. I wanted to hide from the pain. Um, and so eventually in 2012, I started doing artwork. And I, I had all of this um, trauma that I carried all those years. And then I had this new experience of understanding um, all about that kind of abuse and how to be healed and redeemed from that review, uh, abuse. And so when I started doing art, I had a real strong desire to to express the things that happened to me as a kid and to um, uh, talk about uh, abuse. And uh, we had some people in our family that also suffered from mental illnesses. And it all started with the piece behind me. This one called Lost and Found. Yeah. It's about my grandmother, and I never knew her. She was um, born in 1885 in Arkansas, and her dad was an alcoholic. His name was Isaac McBroom. They were from Scotland, and she had red hair, and she was abused as a child. She mm-hmm. married uh, a guy named James, and James was my grandfather. Uh, I I didn't really know him either. He died when I was a little boy. But they had 12 children. One of them was my dad. And when when she was um, in 1939, she was having issues with her own childhood trauma. So in those days, there was no help. They took her to a mental hospital. And the mental hospital was in Norman, Oklahoma. It actually was called an insane asylum in those days. And they took her there in 1939, and she was there for nine years. And she, she, she was away from her 12 children, her babies and her children. And she was in that institution for nine years. And in three days before Christmas in 1943, she stuffed her clothes with papers and set herself on fire and killed herself. And I didn't know that until the 1980s when I was doing my family genealogy. I had no one ever told what happened to her. They just said, oh, your grandmother died back during World War II in the hospital. That's all anybody would say. But I had a cousin say that she thought that she was in a mental hospital. So I found one where she was, and I talked to them on the phone in 1986 And they said that if they had any records from that period of time, that they would all be stored in the basement. But she would she would try to look for the medical records for me and see if she could find any. And I finally got a a package in the mail with all her medical records. And that was 25 years ago. And when I read all of her story, it really broke my heart. I never knew her, but I actually cried tears for this woman that I never knew. Mm -hmm. And I had all her medical records in my desk drawer for 25 years. So in 2012, when I started doing art, I felt very compelled to do something to tell her story. And I was asking myself, why am I doing a piece of art about a woman who set herself on fire? Nobody's going to buy that, you know. But I just felt really compelled to tell her story. And so I did this piece called Lost and Found, The Redemption of Mary Louisa McBroom. And when I showed that on Facebook, I had a lot of people, a lot of positive response. Matter, a matter of fact, it, it got some national attention. And people were saying, man, you need to do more stuff like that. And I started doing more pieces about other people in my family, like this one next to it, This is actually my great-grandfather. His name was Felix. He was the father-in-law of Mary Louisa McBroom. And he was in the very same institution, but he was there in 1900. And he was taken there by the sheriff because of his alcoholism. And he ended up escaping after six months, and they didn't know where where he went. But I found out just recently that he ended up in Texas, and he went to jail in Texas for stealing 
horses and mules. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just he had he had issues. So I did a piece about him. It took me a long time to find out about him. So I did a piece called Bringing Home Felix from the Past. So that was the beginning of doing stories about my life and my relatives and my ancestors. And all of this collection of works, there's 45 pieces. The theme is childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and that you can't ever be healed or find help or healing from your childhood trauma if you never share your story. And so I want my exhibit to give people the permission to tell their own stories, to share what happened to them. And um, I had this exhibit for 14 months at a museum. And the museum is in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. It's called the Glore Psychiatric Museum. And it was there for 14 months. And it's a museum that's actually in the same property as what used to be an insane asylum in St. Joseph, Missouri. So uh, people come from all over the world to go to that museum. And when they saw my art exhibit, they were leaving me notes. I had a box where they could leave me notes about how my exhibit affected them. So behind you on this wall are some of the notes that were left by people uh, to me. And there's a letter on the wall from the Glore Psychiatric Museum. And so I know that my exhibit has touched many people from all over. And now with spatial and having a virtual gallery, people can now come from all over the world, anywhere, and see my exhibit. And they're not limited by geographical location. So it's just amazing to be able to share this I shared it the other day with someone from Thailand, and then before that, someone from uh, Switzerland, I mean, Sweden. And, and it, it's just amazing, and all those kids from, from uh, the Ukraine. So I'm just really enjoying being able to share my stories, my, what happened to me. And, you know, I'm not the same person as I used to be. I haven't drank alcohol for maybe 30 years now. <laughs> um, I have a great life, a happy life, a great marriage, but I broke the chain of generational abuse and generational dysfunction, and it was hard to do. It took a lot of work, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I give That's... credit to God. You know, I give credit to God. God was the one who transformed me from the broken person I used to be into the person I am today. So a lot of my pieces reflect what I used to be and what the, what I mm-hmm. went through in years years ago. So I, I know I've talked a lot, and I know you're recording that, so you can probably use pieces of what I've told you. But now I'll let you just ask me some questions. And I see we got somebody else here with us, too. Thank you so much, Steve. Your story is amazing. It's such an inspirational journey and the journey to the healing that many of us maybe are having inside and maybe haven't found a way to actually overcome. So this is very inspirational. I really appreciate sharing your story. I wonder what is in you right now for the con- the continuation of uh, this uh, art creation? What are you creating right now? What are your plans well, for the future? Know, here's here's something now. This is this sounds very grandiose, but uh, about two years ago, I was sitting in a movie theater waiting for the movie to start. And I had just taken my exhibit to the Glore Psychiatric Museum in St. Joseph, and I I saw the buildings and the, you know, what what people went through back then. It was horrible what they went through. And I was looking at the screen, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if my grandmother, if her story could be on the screen as a movie? I thought it would be very compelling, um, especially when you intertwine her story with my story and my my family, it's, it's like a, it's a story that starts in the 1800s and ends uh, in, in 1985. Um, and I found somebody that wanted to write the story. So he wrote a screenplay. And if you'll come right back over here, can we move over here? Yeah, for sure. This is, the name of the movie is called The Red. Redemption of Mary Louisa McBroom, the movie, and you see the match, Hello. and that, and thank you know, you so what much for visiting Steve Head's virtual art gallery. 
I hope you like what you see, but more importantly, I hope it challenges and inspires you, much the same way it challenged and inspired me. My name is Rain. I'm a professional writer, and with Steve's permission and help, I've written a screenplay based on some of the artwork you see around you. It's a story that revolves around Steve and Mary Louisa McBroom's lives, and it deals with the hard truths of abuse, abandonment, and generational trauma. It's a sad story that's made all sadder by the fact that it really happened. But fortunately for us and for Steve, redemption is always possible. And in the end, well, that's where you come in. If you'd like to know how the story ends, or if you were at all interested in helping make this screenplay into a finished film, you can help. Visit us on Facebook at the Redemption of Mary Louisa McBroom and share the story with your friends and family. If you'd like to be more directly involved in production or financing the film, contact me directly at MaryLouisaMcBroomMovie at gmail.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you at the movies. So That's that would be amazing. that would be the next possibility. That oh, uh, and, and if you'd like to read the screenplay, I can get you a copy. It's a yeah. it's an amazing story. You might be interested since you've seen the exhibit of reading the, the screenplay. But if the screenplay becomes a movie, then think about my grandmother who was so hopeless in 1943 that she would kill herself in that way just to escape the pain that she felt. And I had that story in my drawer in my desk for 25 years, and I did that piece of art. And now that piece of art may become a movie and her life would be redeemed, you know, her pain redeemed. That's why the name, the redemption of Mary Louisa McBroom. So that's my, my hope and my goal. Mm -hmm. And how does that happen? Well, it happens by people uh, sharing that information. And maybe somebody that is in the movie business would say, hey, you know, that sounds like an interesting concept for a movie. Let me get a copy of the screenplay and read it. And if they like it, who knows? It might be on you know, Amazon Prime or Netflix or, you know, some movie uh, on the movie theater screens. So that's our goal. But right now, this is the grand opening of this virtual exhibit. And uh, by having people come like yourself from all over the world, I've, I've, I've been able to see lots of opportunities for, um, like those kids in, Kosa, in, in, in the Ukraine, they were all kids from 14 to 16 years old who were at risk. They were all kids from single-family homes, low income. Their parents, they were orphans uh, that maybe their parents were killed in war. Um, it, they were all kids that all had suffered childhood trauma in their life, and I was able to walk them through and show them my childhood trauma and give them hope that, hey, you know, you can have a happy life. You can get healing. You can you can make it in this world without turning to drugs or alcohol or whatever else. You know, people struggle with those issues inside. Can I show you one piece of art that visualizes that? Please. Before please. we do. Yes. Before we do, uh, I'll show you a couple right here. Mm -hmm. This one, there was a famous artist by the name of Norman Rockwell. And he used to do the covers of, of a magazine called the Saturday Evening Post. And back years ago, he was very famous. He did amazing things, uh, portraits that all told stories himself. He did something that was called his triple portrait. He did a, a, a painting of himself looking in the mirror doing a self-portrait. Mm -hmm. So I did my own take on his work and called mine painting the child within. So I'm looking in the mirror and I'm painting the little boy inside me. And that's actually me as a little boy. Um, some of these, like this one, is is about anxiety and fear. When I was struggling with um, lots of issues, sometimes the anxiety and the fear of what may happen tomorrow or the next day, or you, you don't know, you know, your life is really messed up because of your addictions or whatever. And, and you, I, I remember waking up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning just terrified, like a panic attack about what's going to happen tomorrow or, or the bankruptcy or a court appearance or something. 
and it was called, it was just, I just remembered how terrifying that was. So I call this one the prison in my mind, and that's about that kind of uh, anxiety that just wakes you out of a dead sleep. Um, and, and all of my works have a story behind them, and some of them are just about getting in touch with the little kid inside of us. There's a happy one over here. This is me in this rocket ship going to space. When I was about 10 years old, when they were first sending satellites into space and everything, I was just fascinated with rockets and space and space travel and all that kind of stuff. So I did this one with the little boy in me called Captain Speedy. So, I mean, some of them, some of them are happy. They're not all <laughs> overly sad, but um, every one of these have, have sort of a story behind it from my heart, from my soul. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you have any wow. questions? Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let me show you one over here real quick. Yes. Can you follow me? When I was talking about childhood trauma, this is this this one illustrates the childhood trauma that's inside some of us sometimes that causes such inward pain that we can't even express it. So I just call this one uh, trapped in in the past, and and uh, I tried to illustrate that. And I used my own pictures as a little boy to to do my art. Um, most of these, like this one, uh, where I'm sitting in a red chair, uh, I'm actually holding myself as a little boy, and the man behind me is my father when he was a younger man. And in my other hand is a, a picture of a log log home with my great-grandfather and my grandfather in the picture. So there's four generations, and I'm holding myself in my lap. And, and I, I like to call that parenting yourself. Sometimes the little child inside needs, your, needs love, and sometimes the person to give him that love or her that love is yourself. And so you kind of have to be kind and loving to that little kid inside that's hurting and let them outside and let them play and let them have some joy. And um, anyway, I, I get to rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. Thank you so much. I have another question for you, Anise. Sure. Uh, you mentioned that you were uh, taking maybe some recovery in that group that you mentioned. Um, I wonder where like deeply, all of this actual change initiated. Is there any particular um, method or something that you follow to re for to yeah. arrive to that realization that you mentioned? Can I can I just be honest? I don't want to yes. sound like a religious nut or anything, and I'm not. Yeah. But um, when I was really struggling, especially with the uh, the, the results of alcoholism, sometimes you get stopped for drunk driving, you get a ticket, you get multiple tickets, or you get a, you know, you, you have things happen. You lose a marriage over the drinking. Um, I, I lost my first marriage and my first family. My, my daughter was taken away from me. I had uh, problems with the police from drunk driving, and I was really hurting. And I went to church, and people in this church that I went to, they, they just loved me where I was. I was a real messed up, high high uh, uh, <laughs> uh, high maintenance person. I needed a lot of help, and they were willing to love me, talk to me in the middle of the night when I was hurting. Um, I, I tried committing suicide, and they loved me through that. I went to treatment for 30 days. I came home. I had no money, no job, nothing. They they loaned, They didn't loan me. They gave me some money to pay my bills. I kept saying, this is a loan. And they go, no, we're not a bank. We don't loan money. This is just between you and God. And, and, I, and, and they helped me when I was really, really at my lowest point. And, and, and that is the way... If you believe in God, that is the way God loves us is through other people. He loves us through those people, and, and um, they helped me get my feet on the ground. They helped me to stop drinking. I was going to, uh, you know, I went to treatment, 30-day uh, treatment. And, and just to kind of get sober from alcohol was the first step, but then to start growing as a person. 
And uh, it took me several, many years to start to grow as a person, to get outside of myself, to start doing some volunteer work. I started working with high school kids and mentoring high school kids and and working in different ways, um, uh, sharing myself with other people. And somehow when you start helping others, Mm -hmm. a transformation takes place. You become a You grow up feeling like, (laughs) what are people going to think? Hey, so, I'm doing this with you right now. It's going to be and seen so, by thousands um, of people. What are they going to think anyway, of me? I, uh, In more than 50 years, is that sounds like these that kept that Yeah, maybe we can move a little bit childhood It's a hurt. Yeah, it's a wound that you don't know how to really describe it or put your finger on it. Oh, but, um, that, okay. A lot of the secret keeping is done because of the So, Diana, this, this piece is kind of uh, about that experience. Have you ever heard of the song Amazing Grace? No. It's a hymn? You've probably heard the tune, too. Uh, excuse me. Amazing grace, how ah, sweet yes, the yes. sound that saved a wretch like me. So I am the wretch. Here I, there's the song, and I am the wretch. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what that is all about. And I, I felt like a wretch. I really did. And, um, uh, when I when I finally started becoming the person I that God created me to be, I was able to start reaching out and helping others. Even this week, um, every week on Wednesdays, I go to uh, I, I mentor somebody that is a former homeless meth addict, and I I spend time every week with him, mentoring him to help him. Um, get his life back together and, and, and he's now going through a divorce and some other things, but he's been clean and sober now for about 14 months. He, he's, he's getting back together with his children. I mean, then we both go together to a 12 step meeting and we help other people who are trying to quit meth and former homeless people and stuff. And I, 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 I do that once a week and I get to watch God working in their lives and how they're, transformed and and healed from their pain and because of all of my experience with knowing about how childhood trauma affects us and i can i can share my stories with people that are freshly wounded you know they're struggling right now um and, and so i i help people uh you know as i can do that i i i i try to love other people the way people loved me mm-hmm. that you know amazing. Uh, somebody has Somebody asked Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? And he says to love God and to love others, you know, mm-hmm. basically. And so that's what I'm trying to do is love mm-hmm. others and to mm-hmm. give my time and my energy into helping others to recover from their pain. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my stories are very uh, – some of them are very painful, but uh, I want people to, to know that in order for them to be healed and to grow and to change, they have to be willing to share their own story. Mm-hmm. So my art exhibit gives people permission to talk about their own yeah. family, their own parents or their own self or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everybody has a story. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you live in this world, you have a story of some sort. Beautiful. So that's that's kind of what my art exhibit's yeah. all about is stories. Everybody has stories. That's amazing, Steve. Thank you so much. I wonder about a little bit of the of the artistic side. Um, did okay. you practice uh, painting or this art before, or it just happened after your healing started to to take place, or how? Where where did when, all of this uh, the actual art creation begin? When I was a little boy. I wanted to be an artist. I really did. I, I wanted to be an artist. Um, there's a piece of art on the other side over there um, called Great Wonders Balloon Rides, and you can look at it later. But there used to be, when I was growing up, there was a, a, an art school in Chicago, and they would advertise on matchbook covers and stuff, and it was like, draw the pirate or draw the turtle and whatever, and send your drawing in, and you might win a scholarship to their art school. I was drawing my drawing to send in, and I was telling my mother I want to be an artist. And she looked at me, and she says sarcastically, she says, oh, you're going to do great wonders. And she meant it as a, a sarcastic put down, like, no, you're never going to be an artist. And so 
there's a piece of art over there I call Great Wonders Balloon Rides in honor of my mother's sarcasm. <laughs> but I, 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 in high school, in, in all my art classes, I was always the C or the B student. There was always five or six people that were the A students. And we would have an assignment and we would bring it to class. And I was so proud of my work. And then I would look and there was several others that were just excellent, just outstanding. And mine was good, but I got discouraged. I thought, I'm not any good. I, I can't be talented like that guy or that girl, you know, and I got discouraged and I had nobody at home to encourage me or to uh, explain that not everybody's art has to be perfect. You know, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody was there. And by the time I was 17, I was off in the army and then 18, I was in Vietnam and, and I never got around to being an artist. Mm-hmm. But in later in life, in 1985, I started my own business. It was an advertising agency and I started doing TV commercials and the TV screen was like a canvas. You know, you have to mm-hmm. put graphics and you have to have balance and, and I, I, put my sometimes I did video compositions uh, like music videos and stuff that would bring people to tears I was able to uh, use the video as my as my palette as my canvas but in 2012 I decided uh, with the encouragement of a friend of ours to uh, maybe get out get start doing some art so my wife and I both went and bought some art canvases and paints and stuff and we started doing some stuff. Now, this one over here in the middle, um, you can see I cannot paint a realistic human body. I mean, I'm not a student. I'm the C plus or the B student. But what I learned in that uh, uh, workshop on adult survivors of abuse was that shame will keep us from ever telling our story. And the shame we have in our hearts sometimes is not even our own shame. We feel ashamed about it, but it's not our shame. It's somebody else's shame. You know, the people that abused us, they should be ashamed. The people that didn't love us the way we should be loved, they should be ashamed, not the little kid. But I wanted to paint a painting about what shame looked like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to express shame, but I thought, how about naked? When you're naked, you feel ashamed, you know, like Adam and Eve hid in the garden when they were naked. And and having a light just right on you, exposing you in a window, somebody, a window and being in a bare room where people can see you. And this is kind of like the eye of God looking at you. And I, I did this and I just called it in the light of my shame. And it was just a an attempt to express what shame might look like. And again, it's not Michelangelo, but it's my my way of expressing what shame is. But it's important because it's part of the overall lesson of 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 uh, redemption from childhood abuse. If we can't get past our shame, we'll never heal. We'll never talk about our story. And so when I was taking those kids through last week from the Ukraine, I talked about this. I talked about how we somehow feel shame about being sexually abused or something really horrible that happened to us. And we are so ashamed we can't tell anybody. And um, you can't let shame keep you from healing. I let shame keep me from healing until I was in my 50s. And uh, after I learned that that was a roadblock to get past, I, I look back and think, well, I wasted a half a century. I could have done all this when I was in my 20s or 30s, but it took that long for me to find help and to find uh, counseling. And like I said, the people to help love me through the healing process. We need people to help us. We can't do it alone. And so all of us need someone to help us um, through our journey. And so mm-hmm. that's part of my exhibit is I want to I encourage people to mm-hmm. – um, to love others better, to help others and do what they can to volunteer in their communities. And mm-hmm. and uh, there's lots and lots of wounded people everywhere you look that need yeah. someone to care about them, you know? Yeah, for sure. So um, I wonder what type of technique, how is the process of actually making every piece? What type of software do you use or what tools uh, do you use to produce these okay. uh, amazing art pieces? I have... 
I have uh, several different things. This is an acrylic painting, so I've, I paint with acrylic paints. Mm-hmm. Some of mine are just straight photography. Some of these are just straight digital photography. Some are called mixed media, where you would take a panel and you would paint. I mean, you would paint and glue things and make a collage. So some of those were done as physical objects on a panel. And some of them were done digitally. Like this one is a digital collage. Yeah. Where that, those three, those two were done on panels with actual pasting, pasting it on panels. Um, what I do is I take photographs, like this is an old photograph of me when I was a little boy. And that one of my dad, I actually took my dad's face and hat from an old photo and I put him on a different body. <laughs> but I use Photoshop and in Photoshop you can use layers. So you can layer one layer on top of another on top of another. And so um, uh, you can erase like that bottle in his hand. I had to erase part of his hand to make the bottle look like he was holding it. But oh, it's yeah. it's done with Photoshop and I do uh, what I call di- digital collage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have a you know, I, I like to paint. Um, some of my stuff is just strictly painting. And yes, that's amazing. So, yes, but I love the uh, the 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 way I can take my old family photos and incorporate them. My mother used to tell a story about when yes. she was a little girl, mm-hmm. and they would go to church in an old squeaky wagon. The wagon had a squeaky wheel. And and she was very embarrassed because people could hear them coming from a way far away with the wagon mm-hmm. going, eat, 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 you know, as they were coming. And so she told that story. She even wrote it out on a piece of paper about her story. And I thought after she died, I wanted to take her story of the squeaky wheel, and I made it into a piece of art about um, here's my relatives, an old church, you know, um, Wagon wheels and and her story. That's actually her writing and her story that I put in my art. So uh, my mom always wanted her stories to be known uh, by her grandchildren and stuff about how she was, how life was when she was a little girl. So now I've tried to honor her by putting her handwritten stories in some of the backgrounds of my art. You'll see that in some of my other pieces. You'll see handwriting, and you'll know that's oh, that's Steve's mother. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Wow, Steve. I just want to say right now that I came to do an interview, but at the same time, I came to go through the process of um, feeling the energy of healing through you. So I want to tell you thank you so much because your words are words of wisdom. And as we oh, thank you. Some, sometimes uh, we might recognize those moments where there is a, every moment is being an actual gift that we are having. And it doesn't matter if we don't know the person. It's all, it all comes from love and from our inside. So I believe that That's this true. is not a coincidence. I believe that we had to meet today here for a reason. And I am very thankful for your words and for your art and for all the healing that you are spreading throughout all the world right now. So thank you so much, Steve, for such an amazing and beautiful and uh, incredible work that you are doing right now. I'm deeply thankful. You can't, you can't see it. You can't see it with my avatar, but I have tears in my eyes right now because yes. of your words. Um, that is what you just said is why I did all of this. And, and yes. it, you don't know how much that means to me uh, for your for your words of encouragement and affirmation. That, Thank um, you so much, Steve. Uh, I am totally sure that now that we can spread all of these beautiful experiences and insights and the love uh, through all of these platforms, I'm pretty sure that many other people is going to connect deeply with you uh, because Many times, as you explain, we really have many wounds from our childhood, but we just don't say it because the society also has conditions somehow that 
we have to portray the happy life and uh, that right. just uh, keep going. But the, the, the wounds just don't go away like that. We have to talk, express, and help others, as you explained. This is the most beautiful result of this uh, um, work that you're doing, which is the invitation for people to open up and helping their communities, other people that might be needing right now, a word of support, a word of love. There is many people that right now are in jail, in the streets, who feel alone. Yes. And it might yes. be because they exactly. had rough childhoods. And we forget. Sometimes we go beside these people in the street and we forget that we are all in the same boat. We are all navigating here through this ocean and, and it's going to end very soon. So yes. why not just connecting and spreading the love that we know that um, is the only reason why we are here. I think that we deeply know this. We just have been conditioned to act in other ways. But the nature of humans is to connect and to love. Thank you so much, Steve. I don't care how old you get. There is a little child in every one of us. In our inside of us, there's a little child. And when you're walking through the streets or through um, a, a department store, a grocery store, in a market, or any anywhere you are, you will pass by people. And I've been able to now see woundedness i call it woundedness i can see it in people's eyes mm -hmm. it's 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 a gift but it's almost a curse also because i can mm -hmm. see the pain in their faces sometimes and i don't know their story and sometimes it's not appropriate to just stop somebody in the market and say i can see that you really had a troubled childhood <laughs> you know you can't yes. do that but yes. but you can you can see it in people's faces and you have to realize that even uh, a hardened criminal, uh, a serial killer, uh, uh, drug addicts, I anybody, they all have a little child inside mm -hmm. of them that mm -hmm. somebody hurt, somebody mm -hmm. wounded that little child in mm -hmm. sometimes horrific ways. Mm -hmm. And um, just being aware that everybody you see is really a little child. Yes. Um, it helps us to love people better, to realize that that person may look scary with lots of tattoos and ring in his nose or whatever. And But you know what? Inside of that scary-looking person is a little boy that probably wants to be scary-looking to keep people away because he's so afraid to share his story. You know? Um, I don't know. Diana, so I, I, I think what we have today is what I like to call a divine appointment <laughs> yes and like you exactly. said it's not a not an accident not an accident yes i, I hope like the movie see. gets made yes i hope the movie can do the same thing i hope people would see the movie walk out of the movie and have not only hope from themselves but that they would go out and start being a light in their neighborhood start loving people better get out of yourself and into other people i i I hope that uh, my my legacy will be that Steve had a lot of hard times in his life. Steve was an alcoholic. Steve had criminal offenses because of his alcoholism. Steve had a divorce. Steve had sometimes broken relationships, but God redeemed Steve, and Steve used all of that brokenness to not only become whole again, but to help other people put the pieces of their life back together. And I'm not doing it because I'm anything special, but I let God's love flow through me, just like the people who loved me. It was God's love flowing through them. And when I needed a hug, when I needed to cry, when I needed somebody to just listen to me, as I told my hurt, you know, they, they listened to me sometimes at 2 o'clock in the morning when I wanted to kill myself. They were there. They picked up the phone and they loved me where I was in my messiness. And they, they helped me to become the person God always meant for. He designed each one of us. I love there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about God created us as his 
handiwork. And as an artist, you think about handiwork or something made with your your hands artistically. We are all one-of-a-kind masterpieces of art created by God for a certain purpose. Each one of us has a purpose that he was we were designed for. We're all unique, and we're all an artistic masterpiece. Matter of fact, in the original Greek of the scriptures, of that scripture, the original Greek, the word was used called poema, the Greek word poema, which is the word we use for the English word poem. Oh, so okay. we are all a poem written by God. Isn't that amazing? I just love to think about that, you know, that, um, you know, whether people believe in God or not, we, we all are, we all have a fingerprint that's unique. We all have a spirit inside of us that's unique. We all are unique. However you want to think about it, I, I'd like to think I'm created by a creator who designed me. I didn't just happen or evolve. But uh, that's the way I look at it. But um, we all have some gifts that are unique to us. And when we're in our brokenness, when we're in our alcoholism, our overeating, our gambling, our sex addictions, our uh, drug addictions, or whatever it is we're we're using to self-medicate our pain, that's keeping us. That's keeping us from ever becoming what we were designed to be, and we'll never become redeemed as that person that we were always meant to be if we don't get past the shame. And get past the the fear of telling our story and asking somebody. There's this one piece I want to leave you with, okay? Yes. Um, it has a secret message in it, and you'll have to follow me uh, back this way again, where the movie was. And turn over here. Okay. Did you follow me? Okay. This piece right here is my mother's mother, and her name was Lula Mandy Hurd, and she actually also had um, issues. Um, her kids would say, my mama had spells. Okay, but if you look at the keyboard on the typewriter, mm-hmm. there is a hidden message. It says, help me. <laughs> oh. And so yeah. nobody was there for her to help her. Nobody mm-hmm. was there to help my other grandmother. Nobody was there. This is my brother who died of, uh, at age 37. He was an alcoholic. He never, ever found joy in his life. He died never knowing, never knowing what I found. He never found his purpose in life. He died young. And um, I want people to know that th- there is hope no matter where you are. Um, you, you can you can find that life, that joy, that happiness um, that that is there for you and it's not from money it's not from success it's 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 something that comes from within by being um being able to let i like to say being able to let god use you to do his business and his mm-hmm. business is loving people yes, <laughs> and helping yes. people and that's yes. that's his business there's a series out right now called the chosen about, um, you can look it up, it's a very, very popular season about the life of Jesus and his disciples. It's called The Chosen. There's two seasons right now. It's amazing. It's amazing. But uh, it's amazing to watch. You know, once you get started, you can binge watch, you know, hours and hours of it. But it's about the miracles that he was doing uh, back 2,000 years ago. And just this week, when I was sitting around the table with all those meth addicts and stuff, mm-hmm. I- I'm able to say that I have a front row seat to see God do those same kind of miracles today and watch him actually right before my eyes take people that were hopeless, homeless on the street, and now they're they're actually physically changing before my eyes. One guy showed me a picture. This is me six months ago. And I looked at it, and I looked at him, and I thought, my goodness, you've changed. I can see there's hope in your eyes now, and, and it's a physical transformation as well as a spiritual inside transformation. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun thing to watch. And people get sometimes so caught up with success and money and buying a yacht or whatever they're doing, they, and they have lots of free time to travel and everything. But if they don't ever get down and, and do something with people that are broken, they're missing they're missing out the real treasure 
the mm-hmm. real purpose of life. You know, um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm starting to preach now. I don't want to be no, a preacher. It's, it's <laughs> I just beautiful. want to share this my is, story. But this is part of the art. This is part of you. This is part of what people is actually looking for because we might be confused, right? There are many, there might be right. many people who might resonate with your message because people might be chasing uh, after money to find that happiness that you're talking about. So you are an right. educator too. And this is part of the mission, like teaching people how those maybe helping them to come to those realizations that maybe well, if you, are not there. If you, look at, you look at the richest people in the world, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, the richest man in the world, I, he, he just went through a divorce. Uh, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, uh, another billionaires, they just went through divorce. So you can have billions and billions Mm -hmm. of dollars and be the richest man on the planet, but if you can't even have happiness in your own family, what do you have? Nothing. You have nothing. (laughs) You know, that's sad. You know, money cannot buy happiness. Um, So I think about the children the the children of Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and they watch their parents go through divorce and break up and 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 I'm sure there's a lot of pain and and their children are going through childhood trauma right now with all of that and they have all the money in the world and that money can't fix it can't fix it not yes. not not billions and billions of dollars can't fix it there's only one way to fix it and <laughs> I'm sorry. It's God. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. That's what I believe and it's what no, happened yes. in my there life. Is no, I'm no... a walking I'm a walking proof, you know. Yes, and and we could we can feel your energy, your uh, tone, your happiness is contagious. So we, we can't <laughs> help, right? We can't help. Right. But continue spreading the love. This is what you're doing and this That's is right. when what happens, I think, when someone has overcame those issues and is and is filled with that love, that's what happens. So it's, it's natural in you. So I don't feel that you need to apologize. It's absolutely beautiful <laughs> okay. and it's very, very like a medicine for people. Mm-hmm.